0: Welcome, everybody. I want to do a book review of a book that has really deeply touched me. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Scroll books. I know that there's a little bit of a Acharim um, Oskedoshim MR and perfectionist and many, many things to say. However, at the end of the day, there are many beautiful stories that really impact people. And this book where I share, Paramount Torah Spokesman of our era, is a book that has not inspired me like this in a while. Um, and, and there's been many, many good books at Scroll and, and other publishers that have, have put out and I'm happy to share my reviews and stories, but, um, and I would love to hear your comments as well. This book was put out in 2009, and they themselves admitted that it was 10 years in the making. Yonason Rosenblum was a friend of Rabbi Moshe Scherer, and he really did a phenomenal job. And I'm not going to do justice to this book, quite honestly. It's 650 pages or so, um, and it's really a phenomenal book. Um, and my own reading of it, my aunt gave it to my parents as a Hanukkah gift, and it eventually made it to my house many years later, and I finally decided to actually finish it um, so that I could review it. But it really, really touched me in a deep way. So, a couple of points before we start. I'm going to share about 20 very quick vignettes um, and I really highly recommend this book. It's especially for someone that's trying to get involved with Sargat Tzibor, who's trying to get their head on straight as far as how to help Klai Yisrael. Because Roshar spent literally his entire life just working for Klai in such a phenomenal way. Um, and so I wanted to just share a couple of thoughts. The first one is like um, Rabbi... Um, Herman Aftali Neuberger of Nair Yisrael shared, and they were very, very close friends, and they really did phenomenal things together. I would love to see a book about Roy Herman Aftali Neuberger, but the problem is exactly what he said, what, what will be the challenge in writing this book as well. Um, number one is that a lot of the Askanus and the uh, Stadlanus, the e- efforts of Agudas Yisrael and of Rabbi um, Scherer, so that's all, were literally behind the scenes, and there are things that were averted. Mist- uh, mistakes, embarrassments, shameful things—things things that were covered up in a healthy way. One could argue, but um, and and therefore, a lot of the writings are probably even more so with Rabbi telly Newberger. In my in my experience and, and understanding, both their roles, um, so it would be hard to write a book like that. And it's also dangerous because you can't throw anyone under the bus. And a lot of it is historical well path. But what I what I really really commend Rabbi uh, Rosenblum for doing is something that he's very good at. Uh, it's a thought-provoking book. It's profound. It really, really got me thinking about Sarki Tzibor. And he himself says that his intention is there should be a handbook for people who are thinking about being more involved in the Kehillah. And I really, really commend him for that. And, and I was very, very deeply moved in that way as well. And I hope that I'll be able to make some contributions based on what I learned. Of course, our family always comes first. And once we do that, then there's other things to do. And I'll tell you something very interesting that Rabbi Oshargi Neuberger said um, on last Monte Shabbos, there was a um, get-together at Rabbi Aaron Lepiansky's Um, home in Silver Spring and he said that (laughs) that we we have a chiv to teach our these are our children and he said that his wife constantly reminds him that it also refers to your own children and that a person obviously has to think about his own kids and and we'll talk a little bit about Reisharer's perspective on that as well um, about his contribution to his children and his family etc etc. Really really some phenomenal uh, stories here so I want to start off with um, A couple of preambles, but kind of jump, dive right into the story. So, since Rishar was a master orator, he was always collecting vignettes of quotes and brilliant things to say. And he had these little papers that he would write quotations on, and his children would often find these quotations. And one of his quotes was a very famous line of Benjamin Franklin, which is very, very classic of him to quote. Of course, he was a tremendous Talmud Chacham, and we'll see that soon, but he also was very worldly. And if you want to be remembered after you die... Either write something worth reading or do something worth writing. And that's really a phenomenal lesson in life just by itself. Um, there's a phenomenal story um, about him that he himself almost got an insurance policy for his life. Um, and then he read a story about Romero Shapiro, the founder of Dafyomi, that he had gotten a uh, insurance policy. And he basically had said uh, Romero Shapiro had, had, had so much debt. For Chachmei L'bun Yeshiva, that he basically said the only way he could possibly pay it off, he had a $10,000 plan in the 30s, which was worth you know hundreds of thousands uh, in today's currency. He said it looks like the only way he could save the yeshiva is by dying. And Rocher said that after he read that story, he said, "I will not get an insurance policy." Which originally Aguda was pushing him for it because he was, or he himself thought, it would be beneficial because he was ru- he was running two to three CEO jobs for the Aguda, and he thought that if he would die he will need to be replaced by two or three people, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and he said that since I have an obligation to my wife and certainly to my children to be there for them, I don't want to ever have a situation where I think about my death. And so therefore, the bonus loan just has to keep me alive. And although it was somewhat comical, but it also, you know, had a serious note to it as well. Probably one of the most famous stories about Ramosh share is how he almost died as a child. He himself told over the story many times and Red, uh, David Ashir has made this story famous in Living Amuna. And of course, Roy Rosenblum... Um, has it here and I'll go through it very very briefly but basically he was a young boy I think he was six or seven if I remember correctly uh, from other sources as well and basically he was extremely ill and um, he was lying in bed his mother called the doctor and he had strep throat but it was a very very dangerous um, dose of it and antibiotics were not so relevant etc etc and his mother was very very concerned for his well being and it turned into rheumatic fever and it was going to cause permanent it, it could have easily turned into much worse things, causing permanent heart damage and even death. And the doctor explained all this to Mrs. Scherer. So he prescribed a very expensive medication, but he told the, the very anxious mother of Mrs. Scherer that it was extremely expensive. So she finally gathered all the money that she can from all of her savings, everything she could found in the house. And she didn't even have enough money to pay for the, for the medicine. But she rushed to the pharmacy to plead for her son's life. And the owner was not there, so she begged the assistant, please fill the prescription and I'll pay you whatever I can. And the young man was very moved, and so he took the money and helped this frantic mother and agreed to prepare the medicine in exchange for all the money that she had given. It's fine. So after filling the prescription, the pharmacist's assistant handed her the medicine, and she ran home. And since she was trying to give her son this medicine, her, her maishala, who was sick, she tripped over the curve and she watched in horror as a bottle flew from her hand and landed with a distinctive tinkle of breaking glass which you know prescriptions back then in the 20s and 30s and 40s were glass glass beakers so she burst into tears and said i repunished this is the worst thing that could happen that's what she was thinking and she just tried to grab whatever she could pick up the medication in her own hands and she realized that this is not a possibility. There was no medicine to give him anymore, and so at this moment it's very bleak. And she's thinking that her son's going to die. She rushes back to the pharmacy, still carrying the bag with a broken bottle inside, and she just says, "I'm going to do anything. I'll take out a loan. I'll pay you back, etc." And the store owner had returned in this time, and she listened to he listened to Mrs. Scherer's sobs, and um, she offered to clean the to clean the store, whatever 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 you, whatever I could do. So the pharmacist went to the back to refill the prescription. Then he came back and he said, "Oh my goodness." There's an angel watching over your son. What do you mean? From the smell of the medicine absorbed in the bag, I realized that, unfortunately, he didn't fill, fill the prescription properly. He gave you the wrong one. Talk about a lawsuit of nowadays, but back then it wasn't a possibility. Had you, had you given your son that medicine, he would have died. Now, I'm going to fill the right medicine, f- and, of course, that's, that's included, and that's free. So the point is, Rishara would say, that many times in life we think all is bleak, and we think this is the end, and I rebundish on how could you do this to me, this is the worst thing in the world, but really, this is the best thing in the world. that was literally saving his life. And when you're brought up with a mother who constantly reminds you of that story, and you're brought up with that experience, it makes a deep, deep impact on a person. The um, Ramusha Share, unfortunately, uh, like many boys growing up in the 20s, uh, went to public school and he went to Hebrew school. Um, his parents gave him the best education they could, but um, he himself had told over a story that he once <clears throat> that basically the rabbi, quote unquote, that taught him was basically not religious, and he was the only boy who was Shomor Shabbos that came out of this home. And remember, this is not uncommon for the early 20s in America. In fact, he even told over a story that in the 50s, a letter criticizing a good of arrived, and Reisher recognized one of the um, signatures was actually his Talmud Torah Rebbe. So he called the man and asked to meet him in a restaurant, and when he arrived, he was heartbroken to see this Rebbe was eating without a yarmulke. So he said, now I understand why none of my classmates remain from, which is really, really tragic. Um, there, there, there's so much to say about what Rahar did for Torah Basorah andhatzma and the Jewish education scene scene. There's one very fascinating thing on page 63 that tells over that Rohana Wasserman used to give drushes through Mike Tress, who was a good friend of of uh, Moshe Shar and through influencing the American youth talking about the importance of Torah and Das Torah. And whatever question they would ask, Roshar was just really taken by it, because, and, and all the boys, because he would always explain to them how there's a Pusik about that, there's a Chazal about that. And they really, really started to understand the brilliance of how to understand how to, how to respect Gedolim and Talmanichachamim, which is one of the bedrocks of the Aguda. I don't want to say the word movement because it makes it sound like it's... You know, the, it, it's a bedrock of, of, of what our Masorah... Is based on page 113, is a little bit of a comical story. You have to take it with a grain of salt. That basically, the way he met his wife, Debbie Devora Fortman, who was the daughter of Rishim uh, Zalik Fortman, who was the Rav of Knesset's base, is all the white jewel. Um, in Farakway, was basically the Kala, his wife, was working as a secretary in the Ziyuri offices where. Rabbi uh, Shara became employed and in charge and according to the long-standing family joke she didn't meet Rabbi exacting standards of a secretary, but he was too kind-hearted to fire her, and he liked her too. So the only alternative was to marry her and take advantage of the Youth Council's anti-nepotism policy. In their 54 years, they had a very beautiful marriage and uh, Rabbi Scherer was a very dignified and wonderful husband, and his wife, Devorila, as he referred to her and we'll see in some of the stories uh, later on uh, took very good care of him as well and really was very loving and kind, and shared him generously with all of Kali Yisrael. I believe she's still alive, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the Pondimitarov was a big fan of Roshar, as many, many, were, including Roshach, and um, basically what he said was a fascinating thing of, of Jerov, page 124. Big episode. By the way, I, I'm sorry, let me just zoom out for one second. I forgot to say that Rabbi Rosenblum, the author, says that one of the things that he did was that he wanted to not bore the reader, so he used a lot of footnotes and um, in the footnotes, he explains a lot of the shtadlonas, st- or some of the efforts that were put. But if somebody doesn't want to read all those details because they're not involved, then they could skip it. I found it to be very, very fascinating. Well, I know a lot of people appreciate the fact that some of the chapters are a lot shorter than they look, because really a lot of them are just footnotes explaining the intricacies of what happened. But I thought that was a very good division, because on the one hand, you could read it like a story. On the other hand, if you want to learn more, there's amazing footnotes that explain like some of the real details. And again, the printable things. That are appropriate to be shared. Anyway, so uh, the Punavajarov said that organizations are like a person. No person ever dies because of lack of money, because he could get food, he could beg, etc. But as long as there's an animating neshama that's still strong, so he will survive. So too with organizations. No Torah institute, institution ever collapsed because of a lack of money, or solely because of a lack of money. If there's something that's lacking in the neshama of the institution, then the financial problems will destroy it. So he told Roy Scherer, always make sure that a good movement never lost stark in neshama, which is brilliant. And Ray Fortman loved his, his son-in-law. In fact, um, the homiletics class that Ray Fortman gave when he died young was actually taken over by um, Rabbi Scherer who taught homiletics which is basically how to give drushes. And he was an amazing orator. If you ever listened to his speeches uh, through the 90s, uh, there's some brilliant, brilliant things about Sima Shas which was his baby, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I also like that the book didn't like obsess with any specific accomplishment of his. It really gave you a good overview of his life. So Rabbi Fortman himself loved his son-in-law but he always told him, don't push yourself so hard. You have to be realistic about what your goals are. But Rabbi Scherer was told by the Punta Jorab that that's wrong. Dream all you want. Just don't sleep. So, meaning that, no, it's good to be a dreamer. And, right, at the bottom is a brilliant, brilliant vart that Reisher said that he would, that the Panavichirov would often tell him that uh, dream, but with your eyes open. And also at, at his grandson, Mendy Scherer's bar mitzvah, he said that his ha'ara is that the word... Uh, halom, which means dream, ches lam and mem. So it also has the same letters as lochem, to fight a battle, and lechem, bread. So if you have a dream, where said, you have to fight as if your entire life, your bread and your sustenance, depend on it. He also explained a very brilliant thing that the homiletic insight as to why we insert a special supplication regarding dreams in the Bertha's Kohenim, in Sham, page 125. I'm not going to read it, but you can see. Um, Rev Aaron Cutler was a huge fan of uh, Ramoshacher. He was his rebbe. He learned in Neri Seral, under Ruf Ruderman, and he also learned uh, under uh, Rav and Cutler, and um, Rav Aaron Mamish trained him in into, you know, how to run the call. And uh, he was a v- and, and Rabbi Shar was a very very faithful student that really drank up the lessons and, and did a beautiful job leading. Um, Rav in you know, uh, Scherer really um, devoted himself to understand other segments of of uh, of Judaism. <laughs> I, I, I want to be careful what I say, but basically he said that he devoted 15 years of his life to study the reform movement. And he received, um, and, and he really was, he, he read the matrimonial notices in the Sunday New York Times from a self-inflicted torture in order that he should never forget this the scourge of intermarriage that the heterodox movements brought in their wake. And he one time was asked whether he would meet with the conservative reform movement leaders to discuss ways to lessen intermarriage. And he said, since when do firemen invite arsonists which is a very, very sharp way of saying it. Um, he once even called a rabbi who was advertising his availability to officiate an intermarriage in, New York, in the New York Post, and he just had a, had a lengthy conversation about his fees and his qualifications about what made him a, um, a rabbi. One thing I want to say, it's very, very fascinating. This is on page 142, all memory, uh, that this is from, uh, March 6 1973, he took phenomenal copious notes on everything he did, and I think that's a lost art of just literally, like, his, he has notebooks of, you know, that are archived that just describe who he called, what he did, and we live in, like, an email, you know, time where literally the, you know, the White House now archives and saves the president's, you know, emails and notes and, and internal memos, but, you know, the days of press releases are, are, are long, uh, long forgotten. Anyway, um, there's a very famous story that is not surprising that basically um, Raishar was just at wit's end with um, to with move movement. It just wasn't, it wasn't working and wasn't working for his family and he was about to resign. And obviously we know the end of the story is that he didn't. But he told over that um, what happened was he wrote his resignation letter and he sent it to the board and he sent it to Revaran Cutler. And Revaran Cutler immediately called an emergency meeting with him. And he came to the table. He came to Revaran's house in Borough Park, where he lived, he had an apartment there, and he was ushered into the living room. And Rebbitzin Cutler was there, and she was sobbing. And she looked at Rav Shair through her tears, and she said, "I read your letter, but you wrote the Roshiva, meaning Revarn I, how could you do this to him? How could you do this to my father, Mr. Zalman? Look, he. Everybody believed in you. How could you do this to Kal And and she just cried and cried and cried. After a few minutes, Revarn came out of the room, and he motioned for Shair to come over to the table. And before could even start, he said, "Roshiva." I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Could I take back my resignation letter? So that, that was Ray Shara's last attempt to resign from Agnes Estrella. Listen to this. He told over at, a, at the Sudus Hoda that he had many years later after his open-heart surgery that the reason that he's where he is, that he's dedicated his life to Starfleet Seymour, are because of his mother and Robinson Cutler. He also said this over at a Baisiakov during mayor dinner, which is a beautiful thing that these, the tears of his mother and Robinson Cutler Erbsen Khan Perl Kotler, who was Riv Israel Melzer's daughter, kept him in a life of Tsarkit Tibor. But the bottom line is that it was a very, very hard job. Um Rav David Chaim uh, David Zwiebel, Zwi- Zwi- Shlita, should have a lot of hatzlacha what he does. So he always told over that when Roy Bloom offered him the job, he was told, You're not gonna make money I mean you'll you know, you'll get some money, but you're not you're not gonna make the same money that you would make as a lawyer. But is Senu Bhakovod, you'll get lots of honor. <laughs> that's that's the parnasa you'll get. Um Anyway, well, you know, I think that many people would scrutinize if people did get paid a large amount, and there's what to say about that, because the things that Share did definitely deserved a very high salary. But anyway, um, yeah, so I, I brought down the um, that story about the uh, insurance policy is on page 153, if you want to see it inside. Very, very fascinating story. Okay, I told you I have a lot of things to share, so let us keep moving. Um, I'm going to skip a couple, but I want to just get to a couple of really, really fascinating things. Um this is amazing. Um, Rev Huttner told him that even though you try hard and a lot of times it doesn't work, you're hisshadless, but listen to Rav Ysralos three rules of work. Nicht beis veren, Don't get angry. nish' farmaten Don't get tired. Und nicht werden. Und And don't be obsessed with prevailing. Sometimes it doesn't work, but you just do your hisshadless. And I think that's brilliant in everything that we do. <laughs> don't get angry don't get tired and don't be obsessed with prevailing because you have to do your part and i think that's a good yisod for for many things in life um i love rishar's rules of of speech page 348 preparing a good speech is like baking a cake it requires lots of shortening another one never forget the three b's be brief be sincere be seated the most important b uh number three another one is learn from the shochet's chalet, the knife the shorter the khalaf, the less chances of pekima. A nick that makes it unfit mistakes and the last one a good speech is like drilling for oil if you don't strike in the first five minutes stop boring i can't stress that one enough i think it's so important to be to the point okay there are amazing vignettes about um that that Rocher um shares but he has a book that he wrote with two eyes which is um, a play on words as well um but it's really a phenomenal uh vert and you see he was a tremendous tom as well <laughs> There is a story that he tells over on page 351 that he was standing on the Strauss Square in Lower East Side um, in the midst of a demonstration on behalf of Shabbos. And he was approached by an elderly gentleman who said, Oh, whose funeral is it? At first, her was bemused by his assumption. But then he actually said, No, there is a funeral here. And he talked about, you know, the, the catastrophe and the the state of Kala etc. Okay, a um, couple of other stories I want to quote over here. Here we are. Page 570. Um, this is a phenomenal story that basically um, Rishar was very, very fond of just helping people and supporting them. So he went to a wedding in Toronto, and he noticed that one of the friends of the chassan was undergoing some type of intense therapy. So he introduced himself, and he and this boy, and by the way, he, he, he the boy and his family gave permission to print this story. His name was Ellie Werther. He was learning in Long Beach Yeshiva, and he was undergoing radiation for Hodgkin's disease in Milwaukee. And I happen to know the family as well. Wonderful people. They've been through a lot of SARS, but Wonderful, wonderful people. And Rishar told him that, don't worry, you're going to be okay. I went through intense chemotherapy for lymphoma well past age 70. And Baruch Hashem, I'm okay. Rishar wrote down his Hebrew name and made him, two prom- made him promise two things. Number one, invite me to your wedding. And number two, remember how healthy and robust I am. And don't ever give up. I battled a similar thing. And he hugged him and said goodbye. Next era Arab Pesach and Arab Shuas, Eli got a call in Milwaukee from Roshar who had tracked him down, which we'll talk about in a second. And anyway, so listen to this. Unfortunately, Roshar did not make it to this boy's wedding, but Rosh, Roshimshi, Roshar's son, spoke in Los Angeles at the Goodest Israel Shabbos Chizik. And right after his father passed away in 1999, he told over the story about this kiss that he gave to, to Eli Werther. And um, basically there was a girl named Yehudas Eidlitz who... Um, Long story short, she had been suggested to to this boy, but she was hesitant to go out with him, but once she heard the story, um, she started looking into it, and long story short, um, um, of of Long Beach Yeshiva made the Shidduch, etc., etc., and on Reisherah's first yard site, they got engaged two weeks after his first yard site. Um, anyway, and Shum, page 470 and 471, phenomenal story. And, um... And basically, um... Rabbi Shair's grandson ended up knowing them as well, but it's a phenomenal story how he gave him hope and he literally, you know, helped this boy move forward in life, despite what he what he went through. Um, this is a very very fascinating story as well. Um, here it is. Yeah, <laughs> Rabbi Shair basically put in effort for anyone. Um, so one time he. Um, the straw offices were first located in five Beekman Street Racher would knock on the door of the building superintendent who was a um, immigrant uh, from South America who took care of the building and he would thank him for what he did and finally one day he walked in and he saw the man was very depressed so he asked him what's going on he said oh I'm being, me and my family are being deported so he said so Ray told him bring me all your legal papers and long story short he he rescinded the he was able to get the deportation order rescinded and took care of his man because this man took care of Ray Sherwood and and helped him and so Racher wanted to give him my cars a tow, and helping out as well which is a phenomenal thing you know it's it's not what you know it's who you know and it's also how kind you are and and what you do with it um a couple of other things i want to do right one of the things his family said was he always told them to turn lemon situations into lemonade that was a huge thing and um he also made sure to look into all the shiduchim of his daughters and children and to meet this boy if he was able to um and also he felt really bad that one time he actually just was not able to be home, and that was the boy Elki, actually his daughter married, <laughs> Moshe yaakov uh, Goldschmidt. But and he felt really bad about it. But then he finally found him in sieve in Hamak Dover, Parshis that says that Avraham Avinu sent Eliezer to find a spouse for yitzhak Where was avraham Why couldn't he go? Because he was busy healing the sick, helping other people. And so therefore, um he kind of um gave himself a little bit of comfort. Um, there's another fascinating story that I told you I'd come back to. So basically he told his children about all of his connections with condoling. He also had a great sense of humor. If you look on page 578, you'll see he had a whole theme of stories with his and songs and, and sound effects that he had with his grandchildren. Anyway, page 579 fascinating story. Uh, Ramosha Feinstein called him and said, only you could help me with this. There's no one else that could do it. said, what do you mean? Ramosha said to him, a young woman called me and she told me that, um, I, I happened to answer the phone on my own. Um, and she said that she's orphaned of her father many years ago and she had recently lost her mother and I was crying with her and I felt bad for her and she told me she's getting married and um, and and it would be an honor for Ramosha to come. Ramosha agreed, despite this is the end of his life and then somehow the conversation ended and he didn't end up getting the the, uh, the information in the hall. So he told Roshara, I need you to find out. And of course, Roshara was able to track down the girl and find out exactly when and where the wedding was so Ramosha could attend. But that's that's classic Roshara. You know, the man who was connected. Um, okay. Then Ray Scherer also said he was in the business of doing favors for people. Listen to this. He was learning the Maral in Gore Arieh. In uh, Beratius 2.5, and he found something that really bothered him. The Mahal says it's forbidden to do a favor for someone who will not show proper appreciation. So he realized that a lot of the things he was doing, he wasn't getting appreciation, which he didn't want. So he asked a lot of gedolim, including Elias Shvei, who he was very close with, and finally he came up with a response, which is no, that's only a person, um, that's only if a person is doing it because he wants the recognition. So that's when a person feels he's doing someone a favor. Then he then he should only do it if he knows the person's going to say thank you. But if you view what you're doing as just that's my job, so then then of course it's fine. And th- that's where Moshe Shera said that's, this is my job to help Klai Yistral. And just like when people would thank him, they, he would say, "Why are you thanking me? Do you thank me for putting on tefillin or keeping kosher? That's my job. Rebbe Shalom wants me to do my job." Um, it's fascinating that he wrote his last speech that he literally died the day of the Aguda. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, dinner but that honored Al Gore which is very very fascinating um, this is very very fascinating as well um, there was a time over the, during the Yom Kippur war that um, Shimshi returned from Philadelphia yeshiva and there was an emergency meeting taking place in a dining room Arashar always used to kiss, hug and kiss his son and even in public if he came but he didn't kiss him and he came over to Shimshi later and said I'm sorry I couldn't interrupt but I want to let you know why I didn't kiss you this is so beautiful it really breaks my heart You he said yesterday many jewish parents during the gulf during the yom kippur war did not have a chance to say goodbye to their children they rushed into the battlefield to defend Eretz israel these tr- parents are frantic right now with worry how could i have the privilege of kissing my son when khala is in so much pain and that's phenomenal there was another story by the way that also they bring down that mr zalman melzer when he was escorting his close talmud roshner's uh, uh roshner cutler his grandson to go get married in america so, at a deference to all the Jews murdered by the Nazis, which was right after the Holocaust, he um, he only took a few steps and didn't take him any further because he said, my heart is breaking for kal that so many grandparents are not, and so many parents are not walking their children down to the Chuppah. There's another story that Shimshi told over that still reverberates in his ears to the day, where Ervar and Cutler called and said, Cutler on the phone, and uh, Shimshi told his father, Cutler's on the phone for you, I guess without thinking. And he said, it still rever- the Muser that he got from that, moment, still reverberates in his ears even today. Towards the end of her life, Rav lamented that he had little to leave for his children in way of material. And, this is on page 595, the Satmar uh, Rebbe, actually, revealed to him, told um, his rebbe uh, Moshe Sherrod's grandson that your father-in-law is the greatest, uh, sorry, son-in-law, he told him, your father-in-law is the greatest Bali Tzedaka of our generation, because he could have been a multi-millionaire. He was a brilliant businessman. But the children all said that, Abba, you gave us the best thing in the entire world. Um, when he started having his final illness, which was, um, was cancer, but came back. So, um, the, the last 10 years of his life, he needed open heart surgery and his wife was in the hospital with him and she was very, very scared. So he told her, don't worry, Dvorla." First of all, he told the doctor, please be honest with her, but be as, be as, um, optimistic as possible. But he told her, don't worry, you remember the, my mother's uh, flesh bottle of medicine? Don't worry, that didn't comfort her. So finally he said, you don't understand. The surgeon said that my prognosis for the open-heart surgery is amazing. He said I'll be ten years younger. Do you understand? I have ten more years to give cholesterol? <laughs> That's phenomenal. It, 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 it's momish. This man was just a phenomenal person, the amount of connection that he had to condole and the, the greatness. Anyway, page 630 it has his last notes that he wrote. There are amazing like, homiletic ideas also that he quotes, um, which is just really, really phenomenal as well. This is a fascinating. He used to quote the Kotzker. Lechem no don't touch the edge. What does that mean? That means that your life is an opportunity to do great stuff. Don't don't cut it short and only do the edge, only do small things. I want to leave you with his final farewell, page 641, that literally inspires me in such deep ways. Listen to what he wrote. It's so phenomenal. He said like this. Rashar's quote was, We can only conquer all the evils, and this is so relevant. Facing Kali when we join together, united b'shalom v'achtas, in peace and brotherhood, with one hand, one mind, one heart, one neshama, one goal, and one aspiration. lakade Shem shemayim barabim to sanctify the name of Hashem in public. His memory should be a blessing. I know that this book really deeply inspired me to become a better person and to give for Kali and I hope that it will inspire you as well. Thank you for listening.